It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, one year on from the late Queen's death, are the royals in a rut? And are Prince Harry's relentless attacks to blame for that, that rut? We'll debate that. A terror suspect flees jail by clinging to the underside of a van dressed as a chef. How the hell did this happen? Plus, why is President Biden plunging in popularity with black voters? Charlemagne the God, one of the most interesting characters in American media and most influential, will join me live. Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. A year ago tomorrow, Britain changed irrevocably. It was a day that I and many others have waited for and frankly dreaded for my entire adult life. The late Queen was 96 when she died. Her failing health had been a subject of speculation, of course, for months, and we'd all watched her becoming steadily older and more frail for several years. But part of her magic was that aura of invincibility. She was the ever-present comfort blanket, as much a fact of life as the changing of our seasons. We all knew that one day that awful day would come and we all knew that we would miss the Queen enormously. We all knew that things were going to have to change. The only thing I got wrong is exactly how much I think we miss Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Our monarchy didn't just lose its figurehead. It lost much of the sparkle, the magic, since she died. Britain seems at the same time to have completely lost the plot. We've smashed into crisis after crisis like a broken shopping trolley. The late Queen represented us to the world with grace and dignity and humility and hard work. And she was acclaimed around the world for those values and virtues. Charlatans like Boris Johnson and Liz Truss made us a laughing stop by comparison. As I keep saying, it just feels like nothing really works anymore. Schools falling to pieces, a terror suspect escaping from jail, air traffic shut down by a dodgy line of code, a broken NHS health service, endless strikes, violent crime soaring, raging inflation still causing huge cost of living problems for millions of people. Now, sadly for our politicians, it's not possible to blame all of that on the Queen's death, much as they'd probably like to try. But it certainly compounded the sense of listless chaos that's dragging the country down. That's exactly why a strong monarchy, with its patriotic pomp and ceremony, is so important to the national psyche. The royals are the great symbolic figureheads of our nation. I believe we need them, swaggering and sparkling, not bickering and curdling. If the royals are in a rut, what chance the rest of us got? The ghastly timing. Prince Harry's back in Britain tonight. He's just been speaking in an award ceremony. 
As you know, I was unable to attend the awards last year as my grandmother passed away. As you also probably know, she would have been the first person to insist that I still come to be with you all instead of going to her. <clears throat> and that's precisely why I know exactly one year on that she is looking down on all of us tonight, happy we're together, continuing to spotlight such an incredible community. Well, what she wouldn't be happy about is he's not together with any of his family. He's flown 6,000 miles from Los Angeles, from this luxurious world he now exists in with his wife, Megan, fleecing their royal titles for gazillions of dollars. But in the process, he's fallen out with all his family. There are no plans, we're told, for him to meet his father, King Charles, or his brother, Prince William. Think about that. That's his father and his brother. And there are no plans when he's in the city they live in to see them. Instead, he's going to award ceremonies. There's no chance, it seems, of any bridges being repaired. And why should there be? How can you blame Charles and William? They've had to endure now years of relentless muckraking trash talk from Harry and Meghan, which has done more to tarnish the monarchy than anything I can remember. This is just another stop on his endless tour of... Well, it's self-service, isn't it? It's the worldwide privacy tour. People who wanted privacy but don't want privacy. They actually just want to be seen as kind of royals without any of the duty that goes with that and to get all the benefits of that over in America where they can make huge amounts of money. It's all about serving themselves, not the country here, not duty to the people of this country who bestowed, of course, through the monarchy, these uh, titles that they have. In that sense, they're everything that the Queen wasn't. And when he talks about unity and coming together, there'll be people in the palaces in London tonight, his family, open-mouthed, saying, really? You are preaching about unity and coming together? Every time Harry and Meghan smear their family in public for money, it chips away again at the majesty of the monarchy. It reduces our greatest institution to just reality show garbage. The impact on the monarchy is there for all to see, and it's got to stop. Harry needs to realise he's wrecking something that's much, much bigger than him and his wife and their American media career. And it's much more valuable than their fragile, hypocritical egos. Well, joining me now is author and historian Tessa Dunlop, by the author of the Palace Papers, Tina Brown, in America, and by royal historian and author of the new book, After Elizabeth, Can the Monarchy Save Itself? Ed Owens, welcome to all three of you. Tina, let me start with you. Very much the queen of royal experts, in my opinion. So what is the queen of royal experts' view? As we, incredibly, it's a year tomorrow. I can remember every moment of that day. Um, but it's a year tomorrow that we lost uh, Elizabeth II. I do, I do feel a lot of the magic died with the Queen of the monarchy. What do they do about this? Well, you know, I actually think that Charles has actually gripped it in a way that's very surprising, actually. I, I wouldn't really agree that it's all gone away and all drained away. I think that in a strange way, the chaos that you vividly describe at the top of the show has actually made Charles look a lot better. He's suddenly the great statesman on the world stage. He's the most august statesman that England can really put out there. He's become a huge national asset. And he really hasn't put a foot wrong in the last year. I agree. And that has actually, I think, sort of surprised everybody. So that's good. And you've got the sparkle coming out of Kate and William. 
So I think there's not a bad double act of, of Charles being the kind of august grandfather of the country and Sparkle Sparkle from William and Kate. Here's the problem. I don't think it's quite as dire. Well, here's why I think it may be a little more dire than you think. It may be not as dire as the picture I painted. I'm certainly a massive fan of King Charles and Queen Camilla. I think they're fantastic and done a great job, I think, stabilising things after what was a very unstable period. But young people in particular, according to all the polls at the moment, 37% uh, of 18 to 24-year-olds want the monarchy to continue. 40% want an elected head of state. Only 30% think the royal family is good value for money. These are worrying numbers for the royals. And it seems to me that when I talk to young people, they all had great reverence and, I think, interest in the Queen, but they're not so reverential or interested in the others at the moment. It's not irretrievable, but at the moment, I think there's a kind of malaise. Well, you know, I have to say that if you'd asked people, young people in the 1960s, if they had a great reverence for the Queen, they would have absolutely thought she was a complete bore. You know, I mean, when you had all those irreverent shows, like That Was The Week That Was, that was a period where the Queen was very much out of fashion. She was considered irrelevant. I don't think that if you had polling at that time with all the young people at that, at that moment, they would have particularly thought the Queen was this fabulous icon that she became. In a strange way, the last 20 years of the Queen's life sort of was the most iconic time for her. I would actually argue that uh, Stephen Frears film The Queen, where with Helen mm. Mirren, was the beginning of a kind of pop culture embrace mm. of The Queen, where she went from being someone irrelevant to young people to suddenly being almost like a sort of hip pop culture mm. icon. And you had the thing with the, uh, her wonderful appearance at the Olympics, and you had then she was with Paddington Bear, and all of a sudden The Queen was kind of co-opted by, by pop culture, and she, in her brilliant way, embraced it. But I'm yeah. not sure that you would have found young people thinking she was so fabulous when she was in her 50s. Interesting point. All right, Tessa, you've been gagging to get in here. As always. Um, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of distractions going on at the moment. You've got the Harry and Meghan thing. You've got the Prince Andrew scandal still bubbling away. We're apparently not going to see the files on him now for some huge amount of time for reasons that completely baffle me. Um, you've got... Uh, problems, I think, for Charles in what kind of monarchy he wants to present to the world. What's he going to change? Um, and you've got William and Kate, who I think are doing a great job. Um, but... Come on, Pete. Numbers... Even you agreed with me that there was a ball drop around the Women's World Cup. That right? was a Just mistake. A, a clear way he could have got some headway with young people. William should have... Listen, I've, I've made it very clear. William should have got on the first plane out to that World Cup final and watched the Lionesses. That, that, he's a president of the FA, for goodness sake. It was ridiculous. But actually, that spoke to a deeper stubbornness and, dare I say, entitlement. And you put, once again, if I may, you put all the blame on little, pretty irrelevant in some respects, Harry, when... If what about all the blame on him? But, uh, that that thesis at the top, and I took notes on it. I put, a lot I took of, extensive notes I put a lot of blame on those A lot two. of blame. Because they're, Actually, the only, they're the only two members of the royal family who have done what but, they've been doing. But I'm doing. sure, Ed, your academic, will agree with me that the, the broad-shouldered... It should be, anyway, the broad-shouldered institution of monarchy. Mm. That has to be where change comes from, whether it is the redemptive olive branch offered to Harry. It needs to come from his father, from his brother, who are part of an institution of state, not from a prince who wears a beanie and goes around, you know, Europe doing uh, well-meaning charity gigs. No, it needs to come from the, the institution of monarchy and actually deeper change. You mentioned there mm. transparency, access to files, freedom of information. 
That needs to come from the monarchy. Mm. They need to lead. You're right. Call out the politi politicians. They're rotten. We need to see leadership from Charles. Ed, you wrote a piece about all this, uh, pretty much affirming uh, that there is a rut in the royal family. Like I said, I don't think it's irretrievable, but I do sense it. I do sense there's been a kind of down, downturn, if you like. But we've been through these before and they've bounced back. But what, where do you think we are with the royal family and the institution of the monarchy? And do you see a way that they can get things back on track? Well, actually, uh, Piers, I think, you're, I think you're right. There is something of a rut here. Uh, and I, I have to briefly and respectfully take issue with something that Tina said before. The opinion polls in the 1960s that were taken, there weren't many of them, but when young people were asked, more than 60% said that the, the Queen represented the best of British. Uh, and I think that was really significant. You know, we've only got to go back 10 years to 2013 and 72% of young people were saying uh, that the monarchy would continue, that they supported it, um, and that it was here to stay. Fast forward 10 years and things have de definitely changed. And I think uh, the news and hubbub around Andrew and more recently uh, Harry and Meghan are partly to do with it. Mm. But I think there's something bigger here as well. I think there is a significant generational divide over the monarchy, just as there is a significant, significant general divide in society more generally regarding the state of the nation. Young people, under 45s especially, and most acutely the under 25s, are totally disenchanted with the state of modern Britain. And I think the monarchy as a symbol at the heart of the country is taking a lot of flack. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, Tina, Harry and Meghan, I don't particularly like talking about them anymore. I think it's become a you know, it's just a relentless kind of Groundhog Day thing, really. They want attention. They want to make money out of their royal titles. Every time they rear their heads to do it, everyone I hear goes nuts, including me, and then we carry on repeat cycle. Um, what is going on with them in America, though? I mean, what is their reputation like there now? How relevant are they? We're hearing that Meghan's planning her big comeback, et cetera, et cetera. But where are they over there? Okay, well, first of all, just to say, uh, to Tessa's point, I completely agree about William blowing it with the lionesses, but that's where I missed Harry, actually. That's where they yes. missed Harry. You're because, you know, right if, Harry, if Harry'd been part of the mix, you know, Harry could have gone to the lionesses. Wouldn't he have been fabulous? Let's face it. Whatever you well, think about on. Harry, okay. I he would, would say, have been I would say to that, why didn't he? That would have been really kind. Well, Sorry. He's to cut his brother nothing, like nothing was stopping him getting on a plane if he wanted to, and he didn't, so... He could have done. But he wasn't yeah. the president so, of the FA. That's, he probably that's thought, offside. No, no. That, William, that, will, that is no, no. Offside, that William means. should have gone as president of the FA. That was his duty to do that. Right. And it was a very rare, very bad misstep by him to but not do that. And it also, actually, if you're a woman player for the England team, I mean, how fast would he have got on a plane if that had been the England men's team in the World Cup final? He'd have been like a greyhound on speed. So, I, but, but, but Harry could have gone it, if he wanted to, horrible. and he didn't. But anyway, back, back to the bigger picture of well, Harry and Meghan okay. in America. Is okay, this brand picture, working? Big... Well, I tell you what is interesting is the fact that Meghan's old show, 12 Years Old, Suits, is actually the number one show at the moment in America. Nobody understands why. Somebody posted a meme on TikTok, and the whole thing exploded, and suddenly Suits, this old show, is the, first, is the best viewed show on Netflix yeah. worldwide. Go figure, nobody knows. And it's not really thought it's necessarily anything to do with Meghan, but it is an interesting thing. Well, it's actually a very... I've got to say, brand. it's a very good show. I really liked Suits. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise too. me. I thought it was great, but why it's suddenly been dug out of the sort of I know TikTok it's weird. Morgue, it's weird. I don't yeah. know. But it's not uh, weird, it, is it? it? It's, it's because weird. they've got the X factor, which is why we find it painful when they left. It was so painful. Well, it made, as Tina said, it's not necessarily yeah. because of Meghan Markle. But let me, Tina, to the wider point no, about how popular but, but they are, what anyhow, do you think? The, the wider point is, well, just to say, though, that in that instance, uh, Hollywood agents I speak to kind of say, actually, the weird thing is if Meghan wanted to go and make an acting deal right now, she could probably crush it and get a great acting deal. But mm. I don't think that's what she's looking for because acting is now way too much hard work. Basically, they're, they're, they're a non-factor non here, actually. I mean, in Hollywood, nobody talks about them at all, I'm mm. told. that they just, They're just, you know, the, the whole celebrity canvas is so much bigger, wider and hotter they're not really a factor. They're just they're, they're just minors who show up at celebrity events and mm. so on. So there's nothing really going on with their brand uh, here. And I think that they've really got to figure out, obviously, they have taken advice finally and gone quiet, which is exactly what they should have done. Like, shut up, like, go away. Mm. And they have gone away for the entire summer. But they've got to figure out what Archwell is. Like, what's it for? Yeah. You know, what is, what is it actually for? They haven't raised very much money with it, to be honest. I mean, I think it's 12 or $13 million or something. You'd think by now it would be a $100 million foundation. The problem they've it, got, it is Tina, really the problem not they've raising got, money. The problem they've got is they actually... The only currency they have so far that has proved remotely interesting to the public is when they're trashing their families. But, and I, th I find that pathetic and sad and it's caused unbelievable rifts, not just with his family, with her family. The poor father sitting there 50 miles away has never met his grandchildren. He's never met the person that married his daughter, despite bringing up Meghan on his own for years. You know, all of it is just incredibly, on a human family level, incredibly sad. Uh, and I, you know, they keep talking about how happy they are over there. How happy could anybody be if you're estranged from both of your families. I mean, I just don't know. But, but what you've How can you be happy? There is their vulnerability, and I agree, there is a vulnerability, because they're outside the institution. But I, I don't know what Ed and Tina feel about this, but that's why I believe that the rapprochement, the olive leaf, the move towards making, they're never going to be a happy family again, but some kind of redemptive move, has to come from the king. No, but hang on, hang on. He's made efforts to do this. The problem is they don't trust Harry anymore. They believe he's going to be taping them, well, recording them, making notes, doing stuff for future deals. But if you deals. say something kind and loving, does it matter if you're taped? He's like tried, my son. I am, told I am told Charles has tried multiple times to do this. But Harry wants them to apologise to him for, for the damage he's been wreaking look, on the royal look, family. Because the, the problem monarchy. is young people saw some let, kind let, of... Let, let's, kind of let's face it, though, I mean... It is not in Meghan's interest to have a rapprochement between Harry and his family. No. That's why I don't think it'll happen, because no. Meghan does not want to live in England ever again. Nope. She feels that England was just, uh, uh, you know, rejected her. It, she rejects it. Mm. Uh, she finds it cold, boring, nothing for her. She loves, her, you know, the Hollywood he apparently scene. Said tonight, That's where she wants to be. Yeah, he apparently said tonight in his speech at this charity uh, event that his wife was really sorry she couldn't be there. That's complete nonsense. She's not sorry she can't be there. She was at two Beyonce concerts last week. If she wanted to be there, she'd be there. Um, she doesn't want to be there for the reasons Tina said. She I've got to be she she doesn't, doesn't, doesn't want to hope in them, and then the hope got taken away, and that's why yeah, the world... You know what? If you trash your family in public in the way that they've done for so long, eventually any family would go, that's it. Drawbridge down, done. And that's sadly where we are. Incredible that he's here, Harry, and he's not going to see his brother or his father.
I'm just holding up Ed's well, book. Which the I only thing I will say, the, the only thing I will say about that is this: this family has never been a touchy-feely family. I mean, you know, they never rush to family reunions except at Christmas, Easter. You know, this is not a family that is all over each other yeah. at the best of times. Yeah. And quite obviously, Harry's completely alienated his family, and it's done. I, I don't quite understand why. John, you know, English coverage is constantly about, and he comes to England and he hasn't seen his family. Yeah. No. They're estranged. <laughs> no, no, I They're agree. I, listen, Tina. Other. No one's going to rush I, to see you. I totally yeah. agree. We've got to leave it there. Tina Brown, lovely to see you. Uh, great to see you, Tessa. Ed Owens, After Elizabeth, Can the Monarchy Save Itself? Actually, a really interesting book about the future of our monarchy here. Does it have a future? How Thank long you, is that future? I hope it does. I think it will. But work to be done by King Charles. He's doing a great job, but work to be done in reshaping now the monarchy in his image for what he wants for us and the country. Uh, great to see you all. Thank you very much indeed. Well, that says the next. I'm very excited about this. One of the most influential young men in American media, Charlemagne the God, which is a great name. Uh, I might have to adopt some of that myself. Here's Morgan the God. We'll interview Charlemagne the God after the break. He's interviewed some of the most powerful people in the world. Politicians are queuing up to crave his approval. Will he get mine? Well, we'll find out next because Charlemagne the God will be uncensored after the break. Back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. He's been called the hip-hop Howard Stern. Charlemagne the God is one of the most influential voices in the American media right now with a smashing show and a very influential, predominantly black audience. Here he is in action. What is it about music that you love so much that would still make you want to go on the damn radio grind? Because you don't need it. You're rich, you're famous. You don't need to be on this radio grind. I love, I love music. Put your hands in the air, one wish. I'm singing, this is how we're living down here. Sitting on the edge, looking out without... Just order, if you don't mind us asking. You know what? I had a really strong voice, like exceptionally strong voice, till I was 46 years old. They do mention your husband a lot. Uh-huh. And they say, how is she so black, but she married white? You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Well, Charlemagne joins me now. Charlemagne, it's great to have you on Uncensored. Thank you very much indeed for finally uh, succumbing to our Thank you for having me on Uncensored. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? I, I'm really fascinated by you because we come from very different backgrounds, upbringings. I was always wanted to be a journalist. I trained to be a journalist. I went to an English journalism college and worked my way up, and I do a lot of interviews. You came from a very different background in South Carolina. Nothing about that background suggested that you would end up being one of the most influential interviewers in American media. How do you think that's happened? I think that's happened because, um, you know, I'm, 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 I always approach things from the perspective of just a curious fan. You know, uh, I always feel like the know-it-all knows nothing. And, you know, I'm not an expert at anything. I'm, I'm just a person who, you know, has some experiences in life. And, you know, my mother was an English teacher in South Carolina. And, you know, one of the things that she told me when I was younger was to always read things that, you know, uh, don't necessarily pertain to you. So being that she told me that I always had this curiosity for a little bit of everything. So I would read everything from, you know, the Double XL magazine to, you know, every Judy Bloom book in the library. And I think just having that, you know, curiosity and always approaching things from the perspective of a, of a curious fan, you know, I, I think that might, be, that might be intriguing to some people. It's very intriguing. Your, your whole story is very intriguing to me. 
Uh, you were born Leonard Larry McKelvey. And I'm a big... Leonard. Leonard. I got I to correct you for Leonard, my mom. I'm Leonard, I'm sorry, Charlemagne. Leonard, Leonard yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we'd be, you'd be called yeah. Leonard over here. Um, but what's interesting about you is I, I'm a big believer in second chances for people. God knows I've had enough of them myself in my career. Um, but you, in your early years, you got into a bit of trouble. You were arrested twice for possession of drugs. On your third arrest, uh, because you were near a, a non-fatal shooting at the time, uh, your father refused to pay bail money and you went to jail. And after 41 days, you asked your mother to pay for the bail. And at that point, your father decided to give you another chance. How, when you look back on it, how pivotal was that moment of your father deciding, I'm going to give him another, another go at this and see what happens? Man, that was um, that was very pivotal, you know. And and honestly, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't something that I I took as serious as I should because you know I kind of went back, you know, to to hanging around the same crowd and you know being involved in a lot of the same you know type of activities. But it was very it was very pivotal for me, you know, because my father used to always tell me something. He would always say, "Man, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to end up in jail, dead." are broke sitting under the tree. And, you know, when you're that age and you start to see people around you actually go, you know, the, the, the prison for, for, for long stints, or you saw people around you actually dying, or you saw people that you used to look up to, you know, actually be broke sitting under the tree, and, you know, you can kind of see yourself going down that same path. It kind of, like, is a wake-up call where you're like, yo, my father is right. So that, for me, that was one of those, you know, moments that just made me say, I do have to to change my lifestyle because I truly believe that destiny is not a, a matter of chance. Mm. It's a matter of choice. And, you know, I think a lot of us, we just make, you know, poor choices for, for whatever reason. So, you know, I just think, you know, you make, you make, you make better choices, you better the chances of, uh, you know, having, having, having a more successful life. I completely agree. Now, it takes, it takes a healthy ego, let me put it like that, to rename yourself the God. Why did you do that? <laughs> Um, cause I, I study, I grew up studying the 5% teachings, you know, and in the 5% teachings, they teach you that, uh, God is a Greek word derived from the Aramic words, guma azabar, which means wisdom, strength, and beauty. And the first letter of each word was used by Greek students in their identification of their, you know, e Egyptian teachers. So that's one thing. And then in the, in the Bible, it says God created man in his image, according to his likeness. So, you know, whenever somebody literally said this to me, uh, yesterday when I was doing something unhealthy, which is reading the comments on social media, <laughs> and they said, your name is derived from ego. And I said, no, actually, my name is derived from 5% uh, teachings in, in scripture. Very interesting. And that Biden clip that we had at the end there, let's move to the, the general political scene in America right now. Biden's claim there in that interview that if basically if you're a black person in America, you should be voting for him. Um, let's just replay that again just to remind viewers of this. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Now, what did you make of that when he said that? What was your instinctive reaction? My, my instinctive reaction was exactly what I said in that moment. Like, you know, it's not about Trump. It's just about me, you know, wanting to, you know, get something for my community. You know, votes are transactional. You know, we vote for you. Um, you do something for us. And so that's literally where, where my mind was at. And, and, you know, even with that, you know, you ain't black comment that he made, you know, I think he got that from black people that were around him at the time. And I think that was a, 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 a granddad joke. But I, I, I think what he was trying to say 
is simply, you know, if you vote for Donald Trump as a black person, you may be voting against your own interests. And what do you think about that? As far as, what do I think about what? About what you just said, about what people may have thought Biden meant. Do you think that is true? Do you think you're voting against your own interests oh. as a black American if you vote for Trump? Yes, I do. Because, you know, I feel like, you know, Donald Trump is a, a threat to democracy. And, um, you know, when you talk about a, a country that could be leaning toward fascism because you have people in a party that are leaning toward fascism, you know, as a black person or any minority, I don't think, you know, you would want to live under a fascist regime. And, you know, that's not something that, you know, it doesn't matter what your money, how much money you have or, you know, what your status is. You know, if you're a person of color or a minority under a fascist regime, regime I don't think that's going to fare too well for you. The problem at the moment, it seems, for people who, who share your views about that, there are many Americans who share uh, that opinion of Trump, and there are many who still support him, is that Trump is running away with the Republican nomination race, fueled, it seems, by all these legal issues that he has. The more times he gets indicted, we're up to nearly 100 criminal charges now, the more popular he seems to get. And part of that is people thinking it's the establishment trying to destroy him. And people don't like that in America, even if they don't agree necessarily with Trump's political views. They just think he's getting put upon and victimised. Is all this backfiring, do you think, just as a, as a, as a reality check about the political environment? I, I kind of expected this. Like, you know, I, I knew that it was an easy call for him uh, to say that it's going to, it's a witch hunt. You know, I, I kind of I predicted that. You know, if you was listening to, you know, my radio show, The Breakfast Club, and my podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, I was saying that, you know, uh, I, I could see a, a lot of this working in his favor now. I don't know how it's going to work in a general election, because I think you have a lot of independent voters. I don't know if they'll necessarily, you know, uh, show up for him. And, you know, you those hypothetical swing voters who, you know, voted for President Obama one year and came back and voted for, you know, Trump another year and might have came back and, you know, voted for President Biden. I don't know if they're necessarily going to show up. But the thing I find interesting about Trump, um, President Trump the most is that, um, you know, you, you, you have 91 criminal charges. Uh, what, what is it? Four, four indictments. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard him talk about policy at all. No. I haven't heard him talk about, you know, any legislation he wants to implement at all. Every time he's getting on television, it's about the witch hunt and it's about the charges against him. And to me, man, I would have to look at the people who are supporting him and say, well, what are y'all supporting? <laughs> like, because, because he's not even out there campaigning. Well, like, I guess you know, the, other, I mean, there, the, other, the other side of the coin is that Biden himself is now looking horribly old, and it's not about his age, it's just his ability to perform, to function. I know you said a lot about this yourself, that you're very concerned about this. Nikki Haley wants to put term limits now, on age limits now, on politicians. You're seeing it with Mitch McConnell, you're seeing it with you know, Dianne Feinstein, you're seeing Biden falling over and stumbling and making mistakes constantly. Uh, it does seem an extraordinary situation that America, this incredible multiracial, multicultural uh, place, can only come up out of 330 million people with Joe Biden and Donald Trump, one already in his 80s, one heading to his 80s, one facing nearly 100 criminal charges, one can barely string a sentence together. How can it be that this is the only choice that might be presented to the American people next year? Man, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. 
peers, and that's something that, you know, I discuss a lot and people around me discuss a lot, but the only thing I can tell people right now, and I, I, I don't belong to, you know, any particular party, but I will tell you that you have one party who still seems like, you know, they're, 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 they're attempting to preserve democracy, you know, no, no matter how old their leadership is, and you have some, another party that seems like, you know, they're on the fast track to fascism. So you just have to ask yourself, do you care about democracy or not? As an American, you just have to ask yourself that simple question. Do you care about democracy or not? If the answer is yes, then, hey, man, you might have to vote for the elderly. It's an extraordinarily dispiriting choice. Uh, Charlemagne, it's great to talk to you. Thank it you. It is. Thank you very much indeed for coming on the show. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you, Pierce. Well, that says the next, a terror suspect on the run of escaping from Monsworth Prison dressed as a chef. How can that happen? Or are we just not surprised? Because everything else in Britain is broken. We may as well include the prisons. I pack is here to debate that and much more after the break. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Join me now as my pack Talk TV contributor lawyer, Paul Adrian. Talk TV presenter, Richard Tice, and international editor. That's a wonderfully fancy title, Isabel Oakshot. Welcome to all of you. You can see you've all missed me, even if your <laughs> eyes and expressions are telling a different story. Um, Richard, uh, our prisons join the long list of things that simply aren't working in this country. What is going on? Why does nothing work anymore? Why can't we even keep dangerous terrorists in prison? It's got worse since you've been away, Piers. Yeah. And, I mean, this is nothing short, actually, of gross negligence. That's all it is. I mean, if you and I said, let's go and run a few prisons, I'm pretty sure the first thing we would do is to say, when vehicles come in and out, mm. we should check them. The roof, inside and underneath. It is the most basic stuff. Mm. Here's the thing, though. It cannot be just this one individual on their own. There's CCTV everywhere. If you actually look at the, uh, the entrance and exit of that prison, there are two secure zones that vehicle will have gone through. There has to be, in my view, I mean, I've actually... I've gone into some of these prisons to interview people or whatever, or to see people, and the levels of security you have to go through is absolutely mind-boggling yeah. to me, Isabel, that anyone could actually, in this day and age, get out of one of these things. Which is why I think it was absolutely an inside job. There will have been multiple people, I right. am sure, that's my instinct, assisting mm. this individual. And we know from the testimony of so many prison officers and uh, other sources that there is a huge amount of corruption in our prisons, a huge amount of drugs and bribery, 
and all sorts will have gone on to... But do you feel, do you feel like I do, that it is indicative of a wider malaise in the country about 100%, almost everything? 100%. Everywhere I go now, people say, God, what is wrong no, with nothing, this country? Nothing is working. We talk about this every day, yeah. don't we? And every day you see more and more examples, whether it's the collapsing schools, right. bits of the NHS not working, you get on a train, inevitably it's late, you ring a call centre, no-one answers, because Can't see a doctor, you can't do this, you can't do that. there's a high volume of calls, nothing works. But Paula, the problem is, as always, it's the people with the least amount of money and ability to get through all this cost of living crisis and so on who suffer the most, right? Absolutely. And uh, you see that frustration spilling out onto the street. You see it in relation to you thinking that it's OK to arrange a raid on JD Sports or wherever it is. You see um, uh, protesters, but uh, members of the public attacking protesters mm. because they don't feel that the police are acting in their best interests um, and allowing them to get on with their daily work. You see it in relation to what's happening to the ULES cameras and attacks on ULES cameras because but you also see it. You also see it in what's happening with the NHS, which I'm a massive fan of and I've had good reason to be a massive fan of over many decades with family and friends and so on, uh, and particularly Great Ormond Street, where I had a cousin who was a, a consultant neurologist there for the for kids for many years and brilliant. Um, but the, in the middle of all this, you read a story, the advice for staff at Great Ormond Street Hospital urges them to stop using gendered language in conversation, suggests the wrong pronouns can make people feel disrespected, invalidated, dismissed, triggered, alienated, or often all of these things. And they've stopped people to use words like boy or girl or man or woman. And I'm sorry, uh, Richard, I, how are they finding the time... Exactly. Right. This is the point. To do this stuff. But secondly, where are the rights... I'm going to say this again. Where are the rights of people like me who would like to be called a man? Or Isabel, who I suspect would like to be called a woman when she goes to a hospital? Or a boy or a girl? Where are the rights of the vast majority of people to carry on being called what they damn well want to be called? I just want people in the hospitals doctors and nurses, to be focusing on looking after the patients. Right. Nothing else. It's the time and energy, not just the money, the resource that's wasted and on... And the bowing is about to this, this wonderful mentality that everything has to now be inclusive, even if, in the process, it excludes the majority of people from what they want. And actually, Richard, you know, the truth is that the doctors and nurses, the healthcare professionals, actually also want what you want. There's of course. nothing that exasperates them more than these endless men. Have you ever met a doctor who wants to round. use gender-neutral language? No, they're not it's absolute claptrap. Paula, I'm coming to you last because I know what's going to happen. You're going to launch a spirited, ludicrous defence. <laughs> and I'm going to be right, and you're all going to agree Go with on, me, then. because yeah. you know I'm right. This, and I am disappointed in you all, is actually a good news story. Why? It's Why? a good news story Why? because it's people being respectful to people. Really? And you say, what about the rights of, of yes. you, Piers, to be called a man? Who said you weren't going to be called if a I man? If I go to the Great Ormond Street, they won't call me a man. Well, I, as I understand it, the guidelines are that you will be asked mm. how you prefer to be referenced mm. as, you will then explain how you prefer but to how be can referenced, we be with and all... then you will be referenced. But when the there's way. a war... Aren't you happy with that, Piers? Can you imagine going you to the, Can you imagine going to Ukraine right now and saying to those people, do you feel disrespected, invalidated, dismissed, triggered, alienated, <laughs> or all of those things by the wrong pronoun? Why do you, you think we've lost our, our, our perspective on reality of what it feels like to actually be oppressed? It's not about being called the wrong pronoun. It's about being bombed 
by Russian barbarians. That is oppression. This is nonsense. I think that's a poor argument because we're not equating uh, the NHS... I just did. Uh, we're not equating what the NHS are attempting to do to make certain people feel better with but the, the, with the horror... Job is not making the people feel better in that. This whole pronoun Ukraine. thing is utterly it is ridiculous. Absurd. Because the truth is... For you... The truth is, no, if I decide... If I else, decide... It's a bit like the number of letters now, the LGBTQ... Do you know the rest of what it? Are no? they all? Two Q plus something, plus something, right? Nobody knows. It's all complete nonsense. So complete. I, I understand that there are even members of the LGBTQ who don't plus know themselves community. You've forgot who, two plus. Who, who would who would agree with you? Yes. And so I can understand that sometimes, in terms of marketing, branding, getting a message out there, people get it wrong. Just, but but Paula, that but that isn't Paula, a reason to it's suggest not a we don't need to do the that. The quality of the service and the outcomes of the NHS are declining by are the month because they're wasting time there are people at Great Ormond, on this nonsense. People at Great Ormond Street who are having to come you up. Know that that's having nonsense. to come up with We are not nonsense. struggling. Our NHS is not struggling because there are people out there it who is the care the about thing. how you I want, I want Great Ormond Street staff to do what they've always done so brilliantly and become world leaders in, which is take care of sick kids. Yeah. I don't want them worrying or fretting well, about whether somebody is a they-them. It them. is bullshit. Anyway, Wait. let me just turn to something else which is bullshit, which is <laughs> a, a, there's something doing the rounds online. It's probably an old one, I don't know, but it's fun. It's, a, it's about the perfect tea. It's a meme about the perfect tea. Somebody has come up here uh, with a, a, a sort of grit, and I think we've got it here. If we can show the grit. So they reckon that uh, E3... Right, is the perfect example of the perfect colour tea. I think that is overstewed. I am more of a C4. I think that is the perfect colour. And it has to be Yorkshire Gold, obviously, but that is... It's four... It's four... C. No. no. Sorry, Piers. Isabel? D2. 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 Isabel. Yeah. That's Stronger just hot. No, that's it. C5. Can we see it again? Can we see it again? It's, it's got to be. It's got Keep to be it up C5. there. You've got to see it all the time. Sorry. Strong we can't take it down. Oh, yeah. No, no. Way, way too weak. You're C5. Yeah, strong, strong and robust. No, let's see. That's, that's overstewed. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> well, I obviously drink green tea, Piers. But if I was. If you had it with milk. If I had to have it with. Well, you don't have green tea with milk. I know you'd be. You'd be pathetically. I was just going to say, why don't you guess what I bit? You be, put Should it be back. A1. Put it back a moment. <laughs> put it back. No, yeah, you would be A1. A1. And then you say, but the trouble with that is, it's racist. Oh. <laughs> I think you'll find I'd probably be a C5. My, yeah, my sister in law. Yeah, you agree with me my, most my of the time. My sister in law's from no, Hartley C4, Hall. C4. She'd make a C5. I'm a world expert on tea making. I've actually taught Americans how to, how to make it, and it's C4. Anyway, it's a good debate. Uh, thank you, Pat. Good to see you. I'm glad we all reached a position of totally disagreeing. As always, always more fun that way. Uncensored next. The vegans are back, you'll be pleased to know, offending common decency with an advert so vile it's had to be banned. The woman behind that advert is here to explain why yogurts are evil. That's next. Back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. We all know Muller yogurts, these creamy treats with crunchy or fruity bits in your corner. Other equally delicious brands are available. But apparently, all yogurts are evil. They're murderous. A vegan charity has released an ad about them that will give you nightmares. A warning, you might find this disturbing. But when I hear vegans talking about this great... Sorry, we got the wrong clip there.
We're going to play the right one. I hope. Have we got the right one? Sorry, my apologies. We don't have the clip, but we are going to find it. Anyway, it's a pretty gruesome clip uh, of... Well, basically makes out that this yoghurt here, the Muller... We do have it. We do have it. Here we go. New from Killer Yogurts. The umbilical cord flavour. Produced with only the finest ingredients. The stolen milk of grieving mothers. Taste the torment in every mouthful. Blended with brutality. Be complicit. With killer yogurts. Well, I'm joined now by the director of the charity, Viva, who made the ad, Juliet Galatoly. Well, Juliet, I've got to be honest, that's one of the most disgusting things I think I've ever had to watch. It's also one of the most disingenuous. It's a yoghurt, for goodness sake. Why are you making ads like that about a yoghurt? I'm sorry, I don't believe that that's the most disgusting thing in your editorial career that you've Pretty much seen. one of them, no, I've got to be honest. I'm sorry, it's a pantomime style. It's obviously a parody. It's obviously fake blood. Um, you know, over three million people saw it. Um, well, what's your and, point? And the, and the, well, the point is, we went into and investigated dairy farming and mm. blew apart the notion that these animals are in idyll. Most one, of, one in five of the animals and supplying people like that were zero graze. This means they never saw a blade of grass. Mm. And I went, so I went in myself to check this out, and they're in filthy conditions. The male calves taken away and shot or knifed in the throat because they don't produce milk. The mothers, when their milk production went down, killed. So there's a lot of death in the dairy. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you. This, let me ask you this. What do you think happens in the wild? How do you think animals eat? What species are you talking? Well, you're about? very you're very concerned <laughs> about the protection of animals. But if you go to the African bush, animals eat each other all day long in the most savage, primeval way. Why aren't you campaigning about that? Yeah, Why don't you go and protect animals from other animals? Yeah, listen, my degree is zoology. I know quite a lot about animals. And so you've they, seen they the not, and they're on my not TikTok feed, pigs, all I see all day pigs, are lions pigs, destroying gazelles' come heads. Come on, they're not, which is a bit more gory than that. They're not it's factory real life. farmed. They're not factory farmed. Mm. These animals never see sunlight. They never graze a blade of grass. Mm. It's obscene. I don't think even you would agree with that. Well, I always, my problem with vegans is this. I mean, I bet you're a, you probably like almonds, do you? Oh, no, you're not going to do the almond avocado with me. No, just this is asking boring. you, do no, you... This, eat... this is boring. I'm, it no. may be boring. No, 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 no. I actually find the vegan assault on meat eaters boring. So do you eat avocados and almonds? I'm not assaulting anybody. Do you eat them? Anybody. Do you eat them? I eat them from Spain. So you do? You eat avocados Spain, and almonds? Spain, because the issues that you talk and, and about... And do, do you drink... About the What bees, kind of milk do you drink? You're talking about the murder... What kind of milk do you drink? You talk about the murder... Soya. Soya, OK. Yeah. So, you talk about the murder of bees in other interviews. Yes, because vegans don't, don't care. care. But you don't care about the billions no. of calves and no. chicks and piglets that I understand. Kill. So you're a complete hypocrite. No, I'm not. You are pigs. No, the hypocrites are the vegans no, who munch not. away 
on almonds and, and the avocados and no. stuff. They don't give a damn about billions of bees getting annihilated because no, the bees rubbish. are the little guys. It's and I had this conversation each time because that's the hypocrisy. I don't care. You're obsessed with this no, because you think it catches I am a out. proud Listen, and happy meat peers, and yogurt peers, eater. We're in the when you try and make out this yogurt is the most evil thing that anyone peers, can eat in the world, I think you're bonkers, Peers, we're in the sixth mass extinction. We're living it now. You're behaving like a news anchor on I'm Don't in the, Look I'm Up. In the, I'm in the what? You're behaving like a news anchor on what the extinction? film Don't Look Up. What we're extinction? in the sixth mass extinction. You're deflecting all the time for the The world is not going to end you because I... You are trying I, to deflect Because I eat a muller yogurt. Look, what? Animals are factory farmed. You're trying to deflect Look, from the fact the world's still that here. veganism protects the environment. Juliet, we're still here. We are, but how Nobody's much longer extinct. have we got? You've got kids. You must care about the climate crisis. I let my kids eat meat. I let them eat yoghurt. And you know what? I don't think it's evil. You must care about the climate crisis and you must be aware that the University of Oxford has specifically stated that a vegan diet, it protects the really? environment. Really? But you just it said, you, you, just said you eat your... You said it you really, got your eat it, almonds or avocados from Spain. Which one? From Spain. Which one? Both. I don't eat almonds, actually. How do they get here? Avocados. How do they get here? Boat. Boat. Really? Yeah. You sure? Yes, I am sure. You sure? I am absolutely sure. Really? And how do you think most vegans get most of their almonds and avocados from California? And how do you boat? think most no, they meat don't. eaters get their No, they don't. Their, their they don't avocado. get them from a boat. They get <laughs> them on planes. Meat eaters get their and they avocados? get them on planes which guzzle up the environment. Do you eat avocados? Yes. But you care about all these millions of bees being no, killed. No, I care about your hypocrisy about no, the little guys. Rubbish. I do. Most bees are killed because of overuse of pesticides. Most overuse Not of true. pesticides Not true. is due to the way that it's the land the is farmed. In the pollen. No, no. To no, grow that is not fodder true. for farmed that is, animals. That is not so true. So you're talking rubbish. Most of the bees get killed in the pollination process. Rubbish. And by the way, after they get killed, you vegans get all your almonds and avocados flown over on these gas-guzzling planes. And my point is, I like to fly, I like to eat meat, I like to eat yogurts. I'm just fed up with vegans trying to shame me for it when you're all such hypocrites no, when it comes to the bees. No, you're not. You're against factory farming. If you went inside the farms that I've been inside and the reason that I set up Viva, the state of the animals that I've seen them in, pigs, Julia, dying in front of me. If this makes me evil, not, you would not this makes me it. evil, I am happy to not, be evil. It's disgusting. It's delicious. Julia Galadley, love it to see yogurt. you. That's it from me. It's, Whatever it's, you're up to, delicious. keep it creamy. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.